On this episode of Athletic Training Chat, we have another repeat guest in Matt Campbell. Uh, we've t- been in touch with Matt since our original episode with him with the OPS Concussion Clinic, mainly because now um, that clinic has changed to the Midwest Concussion Clinic. So really, we wanted to touch base with Matt, see what was happening, what's changing. Um, if you followed him at all on social media before, you can see he's got a lot going on. Uh, making a huge impact when it comes to concussions uh, in his area and beyond, and that's around Fort Wayne, Indiana. So really, we just touched base, um, looked at some new ideas and thoughts about how the clinic's set up, what that means for the future. Uh, There could be some very big things coming there uh, for the concussion clinic and what that means, Um, and then really just touch base on concussion and what is the latest and greatest when it comes to treating those. Uh, It's a really insightful episode matt's got a lot going on but doing really awesome and unique things when it comes to looking at concussions from the athletic trainer perspective and what we can and cannot do in order to help our patients get back as always we are powered by mueller sports medicine Uh, please give them a look they've got a lot of things happening right now just launched some new social media directly to athletic trainers so please give that a follow um, and then before we get into the episode, we hope everybody has a healthy and safe Thanksgiving. Thank you for listening. We truly appreciate it. This has been a really fun experience uh, getting this podcast up and running. And we can't say thanks enough to our guests and our listeners. And if you want to be on, have a story you want to share, please don't hesitate to reach out. We definitely want to talk to you. And with that, enjoy this episode. Welcome to this episode of Athletic Training Chat. We are on uh, with Matt Campbell, who is now our second repeat guest on the podcast. Uh, I don't remember the episode number. I'll include that as we post all this stuff. But we (laughs) talked to Matt about um, the concussion clinic that he started from scratch, basically from the built from the ground up. And at the time was OPS Concussion Clinic. Um, It is now changed to Midwest Concussion Clinic. in that conversation, it was just fascinating, all the things that you're doing, because uh, we're trying to integrate some that into what we're doing, but the fact you're running it as an athletic trainer, which is obviously what the podcast is about, is awesome, you know, because it shows that, uh, the range of things that we can do as a profession. Um, and so really, we just were going to catch up, you know, see what's going on with the new changes. Uh, we got a couple of new topics to talk about and get your opinion on, and we'll go from there. So Perfect. Uh, before I keep rambling, um, you know, what's in the what's in the name? What's in the name change? You know, what brought that up? Right. So uh, when we sat down and started looking at it, you start looking at okay, in our our little neck of the woods, there there are two major hospital systems. We had OPS, which is where I started originally, um, which is where the name came from because it's where I started everything. Um, when we started looking, okay, how do you expand you know, the, the, the two hospital systems, just like any politics, they have their own, we have ours. So we started to look at, okay, in, in terms of expansion and really trying to continue to grow, do we need to break off and go independent? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what we did. 
Um, we, we kept, I still had the same medical director. We still partner with physical medicine consultants and Dr. Lazoff is our medical director. Um, but we started to look at, okay, do we, do we change the name? So it's able to move the affiliation away, uh, in an attempt to continue to expand into different areas. Um, the OPS is still one of the main sources of our, of our referrals and our, our direct admits are coming mainly from the athletic trainers over at the OPS school. So we still have the affiliation. Uh, we still work very well with them, but we are an independent when it comes to trying to get in some of the other doors in, in the, uh, the area. Um, we chose the Midwest Concussion Clinic instead of going with something like Fort Wayne Concussion or sure. Summit City Concussion because we wanted to sit there and look at, okay, expansion-wise, you know, how can we continue to brand and expand as this continues to take off and, you know, we start to branch out of the Fort Wayne area. Um, we start looking at, okay, if I call it the Fort Wayne Concussion Clinic and I'm two hours south of Fort Wayne, you know, it's going to be a turnoff on um, somebody wants to drive two hours when sure. in reality, reality, we may be down the road from them. It's just the name. Right. So we went with something that was kind of generic in the, uh, the area. Uh, it, it, it had a good flow to it. Um, Dr. Lazos' daughters put our logo together. Nice. They're both in marketing and media management. They put the logo together. It looked great. It's simple. It's an yeah. easy name. So it really worked out well for us. Um, it was kind of, you, you, we sat down during COVID and that's kind of where, you know, the world shuts down, but it was really a, a blessing for us mm -hmm. uh, because when OPS started, the OPS concussion clinic started, it was, Hey, I've got this idea. I've been trying to pitch it for four years. Got a call on Wednesday that said, Hey, on Friday, I need you to come meet your new medical director and your first patient's Monday morning. Um, so it went from not happening, not happening, not happening to we're starting now. There you um, go. So it was, you know, hit the ground running. We had 90 patients from September to April. Um, and then COVID shutdown happened and we could finally sit back and go, okay, let's, let's figure out one, what we're doing. Is it working? You know, we collect data on everything. I collect everything from, you know, we do our simple reaction time tests, our SCAT-5, our VOMs. We monitor heart rate on everybody. We do Buffalo concussion treadmill testing. Um, I do a modified clinical sensory imbalance test. So, you know, I've got data coming out of my ears. Um, and that initial COVID shutdown was like, okay, now let's analyze one. Do we need to make a change to go, you know, away from the affiliation to go independent? And two, let's figure out what we're doing and if it's working. Um, so that was really a good time for us to sit back and pull back. We were able to analyze the data saying, Hey, you know, you know, research is telling us this, but anecdotally over those first 90 patients, this is what we're seeing. Do we need to adjust kind of our treatment plans and parameters that have changed? Um, and, and two, it allowed us to brand and, and rebrand the name and come out with the logos, put our marketing plan together, you know, start our social media. And that's been, I mean, I'm not a very good social media person, but um, what I do is I adapt very well. So when I see things that work with certain things, like what you guys are doing, and I see, you know, the more videos and the more, uh, the more podcasts you can be a part of, you know, getting your name out in front of it is, is one of the biggest things for us. So that's where the COVID shutdown kind of really helped with, with what we're doing because it was able to finally get a time to sit down and relax. Yeah, uh, now it wasn't good for business, but um you know, nothing was good for anybody at that point. But what a way to utilize your time and maximize it. Yeah. So when things are getting ready again. Um, I know I had a bunch of questions, but I just had a couple that just popped up based on what you're saying. Uh, first off, so you talk about it like expansion. And I honestly mm -hmm. thought about this before this episode, but when you said it, like, 
is our thoughts of like just within your kind of area so you've got multiple potential clinics within you know the fort wayne or just that general metropolitan area or like and this is probably way down the sky like franchising basically right. like you set up like here's how you do it like we bring you in we train you up you know however you go and then you know you start it up and then i've got a second question on how the that actually works in terms of running the business because i actually just thought about that you know like even like locally for us like it'd be hard because we've got it when you got the mayo clinic an hour away it's kind of hard right. to like experts right. and everything um around it because they're right there um right Right. Just like I, that would be a really cool concept because like that's not something that we have locally or like we've had the, something as specific as this. So I'll right. let you get to that before I ask you the second question. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So expansion, obviously, you know, you pigs get fed, hogs get slaughtered. So you want to make sure that you're not growing too fast, too quickly. Yep. Um, but for us, you know, we look at do we expand out of the region mm -hmm. right now? We're the partnership with PMC has been fantastic because their their clinics are established in terms of, you know, the automation for the phone, getting messages to me, the billing department is all run through the physical medicine consultant side. So when it was going to be one, my next question. So we'll come yeah, back to that one. Yeah, so when I have, you know, when I have pre-cert problems or we have billing problems, you know, to have a group that's been doing it for so long, the insurance companies recognize the name PMC and now we're branching off of that. So it's been easier to get reimbursement and get payments approved okay. because they're an established provider. You know, they're, they've sure. been established through uh, all these, you know, private insurance, Medicare, Medicaid forever. Yep. Um, so it makes it easier on our end of things when we're branching off of that, that we can sit there and say the physical address is the same. The billing comes from the same, even though it's a different name, it's the same providers um, that you're seeing on the PMC side of things coming in with um, the Midwest concussion clinic. But in terms of expansion, you know, right now, um, the, the area that we're in with Fort Wayne, it's so, it's kind of unique, right? Like you've talked about, you've got the Mayo Clinic an hour away. You've had two major hospital systems and, you know, in your, in your little community of about 100,000, we're the same way. Mm -hmm. We have two major hospital systems that are here in Fort Wayne that encompass kind of the whole Northeast Indiana, Northwest Ohio, Southwest, Southeast Michigan, all the way kind of that you know, gap between Chicago and Cleveland, um, we kind of fill that area. So when we start to look at expansion, you know, everybody's got somebody in their group that does concussions. Um, everybody's got somebody that treats them, somebody that manages them, whether they're a concussion specific physician, sports medicine, doctor, physiatrist, or primary care, family medicine, you know, and that's, it's, it's something that everybody's doing now because it's such a big topic. It's such a, uh, a widespread thing. It's becoming more and more do documented and diagnosed because we see, you right. know, the severity of the injury change and the frequency change because we know more about what's going on. That when we start to expand and look at expansion for us, you know, it's easy to expand the vestibular therapy side of things versus the clinic side of things. And, you know, I've read, I've reached out to every, you know, pediatrician, family medicine doc that I have in my context that I can get to, that doc can get to and saying, hey, look, we're here. Um, whether we're here for your initial diagnosis and follow-up, that's, that's completely up to you. But the rehab side of things, to clear yourself liability-wise of just making them sit and wait or with the emergency departments just discharging and saying on your 12th page of your packet, hey, you might have a concussion, you should follow up right. with somebody. 
you know, reaching out to those ED departments and, and your, your, your family medicine and primary care providers has been a, a good source of, of referral for us because one, they sit there and say, oh, it's nice to have somebody that I can refer to because my knowledge on concussions is sit and wait. Mm-hmm. Um, and two, it kind of helps clear liability of your emergency departments by saying, hey, we referred them to somebody else. If the concussion, you know, spikes or changes, we now have a new, you know, transition of care and continuity of care that we can deal with. Um, but right now, our, our farthest patient, you know, I've got people driving an hour and 15 minutes from Northwest. I've got people driving 50 to an hour minutes, you know, 50 minutes to an hour south of us um, that are all driving in and we're relatively new, you know, we're a year into this, we're 160 patients in now. And, you know, we're slowly starting to pick back up following, you know, following all the COVID shutdown and with the uncertainty of sports in our area and how things have gone, you know, we're looking at branching into different areas. Um, One of the big areas that's kind of changed for us since our initial talk is the workers comp side of things. Um, I'm seeing more and more workers' comp patients compared to high school patients on a regular basis. Now, part of that is because we have Dr. Lazos' practice that he already has on the opposite side with PMC, sure. that he already sees a lot of head injuries over his course of his year, um, you know, his years as a physical medicine doctor. And that's kind of why he wanted to start our partnership um, is because he wanted something to, you know, a treatment that he could do and kind of keep everybody under the same umbrella in house. So it's easier to get notes and, and changes to treatment plans back and forth instead of, you know, different hospital systems. And you have to track down treatment consult notes and, you know, pre-approve and move everything through. It's just fl- more fluid to keep everything in house. Um, so that's, you know, that's one of the bigger changes for us when we look at expansion is we're going to get to the point where, I can't do all initial evals. I can't do all Mm -hmm. therapies. I can't do all documentation, you know, so we start looking at how are we going to expand and (laughs) doc talks about it already is, you know, you're going to take a vacation at some point. And uh, my, my running joke is, you know, unless I'm going to Maui and he's paying for it, you know, not right now. (laughs) So uh, it's, it's something that we've looked at and we're starting to look at, you know, how do we train them and how do we bring them in because concussions are so advanced Athletic trainers are great for it, but we got to make sure that the care is up to date and the training is up to date to where, you know, what our specifications are and what we like. Mm-hmm. It's just like any other growth. You want to make sure that you're growing in the right ways and you're making sure you're bringing in the right people. Absolutely. Um, so before we're kind of going on to the other ones, um, only because we were talking about AT Twitter and stuff before we came on, <laughs> but a topic that has come up uh, that just emerged and I, found a thread I need to read now, you know, is third-party billing. Right. Um, it's, it's been, you know, the elephant over everything for quite some mm-hmm. time. We're making progress in certain areas. Um, you know, some people are adventuring out going a little bit more cash-based. You know, there's some new things people are doing there, which is awesome. Yeah. How, is, how is it set up for you? And you referenced it, you know, billing and having the company go through, you know, are you billing through your MPI number or are you billing through your doctors or just, you right. know, because it's not, you know, 160 patients sounds great, but I, I have no idea, you know, is that enough to A, keep the lights on, keep the place running, plus also eventually afford you to take a vacation, <laughs> you know, right. type of thing. So right. I'm just curious as to, how, you know, how that's set up has gone and is working. 
Yep. So for us right now, everything's built under Doc's NPI number. Uh, I'm working as a physician's extender. Um, When we do our therapies and when I'm doing my documentation, uh, I'm billing for athletic trainer specific diagnostic codes and the athletic trainer specific CPT codes. So they are going out as as your your standard therapeutic exercise, neuromuscular reeducation, manual therapy, physical performance testing. They're all going out as your standard athletic training CPT codes. Gotcha. Um, where we've, you know, there have been a couple instances on, on approval versus denial, and it's, it, it's really just been hung up on the wording of our goals. Um, and, you know, that's a learning curve for us as athletic trainers. Yeah, we talk about billing. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's touched on. We all want to get third-party reimbursement. But, I mean, I'm not, I'm not old, but we're looking at, you know, eight years post-graduation, and we touched an organ ad on, hey, third-party billing is coming. <laughs> right still coming um so yeah. you know i know the thread that you're talking about it's a pretty good one um it, it'll give you it'll give you kind of an, an onset of i don't care if i'm called a trainer um i really <laughs> want to just be paid like a healthcare professional um so for us the third party reimbursement has been you know relatively i say that because i'm not the one doing it all day every day but i'm relatively smooth um now we've had a couple hangups, you know, we've had a couple, the conversations to get pre-certified on certain treatments and get reimbursement for certain treatments is, it's a lot, um, you know, and, and God bless the people that have to do it all day, every day, because it's, it's a lot of sitting there listening and typing. And then it's, you know, it, it's almost like I can pre-record the answers when they come through. It's okay. We want to talk to the clinician providing the care. Yes. Yes. No. Yes. And that's it. That's the only talking, but it's a 20 minute conversation. Sure. And it's, it's, it's something that's very difficult. Um, and, you know, we look at, and that's billing as a physician's extender. Now you look at underneath the, the athletic training specific, we have had to bill a couple under my NPI number based on um, seeing nurse practitioners here in the office, instead of seeing Dr. Lazoff um, for initial evaluations, just based on scheduling, you know, we've, we've done a little bit of billing under my NPI number as well. And okay it's been the same conversations, you know, you, you call a company and here's the registered NPI number. Here's a facility number, you know, here are my goal setting. Have we achieved this goal? Yes, 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 no, yes. And then let's move on. Um, so it's, it's been a little bit of a hassle in terms of overall look to it, but for the most part, I mean, it's really been relatively smooth. Gotcha. Yeah, I was just curious, you know, since you you said, you know, we're kind of shifting to independent, is that, you know, still what you're going through, you know, billing across a bigger thing or, you know, looking for some cash-based options. So um, that was insightful. Um, yeah. We've, we've got some cash-based options. We've run into, you know, there have been a couple patients that we've seen that for whatever reason, their insurance isn't covered. Um, and we do provide a cash-based option. Uh, for the initial eval and then a cash-based repayment plan for, you know, our therapies, which is one of the best parts about having, you know, the established company behind us is the billing departments and and the repayment plans. When we, when we sat down and looked at partnering together, one of my big things is I don't want finances to be a reason somebody doesn't get the care that they need. Sure. Um, And they sat there and said, well, we got to keep the lights on too. And, you know, so we sat there and, all right, look, if I'm doing therapy and it comes down to payment, I want to work with everybody to come through with a, a financial repayment plan that fits for them. 
you know, I've got one patient that I treated throughout the COVID shutdown that we charged a copay of $5 a, a visit and she paid 10 bucks a month to her bill until it was paid off, you know, and that's, that's one of the best parts about being a private independent group is they sit there and work with patients in, in general, not just on our side of things, but in general, uh, they sit there and work with patients to make sure that, you know, payment, they can exhaust every option before, you know, and, and sending to collections if we have to. Right. Uh, but that's been one of the perks of everything. And, and it's been, it's been great. Um, to answer kind of, you touched on it is 160 patients enough to keep the lights on. Um, yes and no. Uh, the patient number is, it's been steady. Um, so we look at the patient number I've got, and this is all part of the data that I keep, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the patient number, if we look at last October, so if we just do last October, as a, as an, in general, um, last October, I saw 24 unique patients this October. I saw 20. So we're still rebounding. Um, but the number, you know, for last October, the initial or the number of visits was only 40 visits. You know, this October, the number of visits has been 60 visits just on the chance and change of our model. Um, in terms of how much therapy we're doing, our workers' comp changes. So, you know, our visits have gone from 40 to 60, even though our numbers went down by four. Patients, sure. patients, our visits are up, which means our generation and revenue is up, which means our, you know, the number of CPT codes, you know, the number of therapy visits, the number of manual therapy, you know, codes that I can put out and, and bring in general revenue mm-hmm. is significantly compared to this time last year, just based on the small change in our model. Gotcha. Oh, the dizzying world of all of that. (laughs) Oh, it's, it's a rabbit hole for sure. I mean, it can, it spirals quickly. Um, So kind of getting back to all the different things um, around what you guys are doing. um, I want want to ask about the stem cell therapy as we were talking about, Mm -hmm. but like anything else that, you know, you have come up with you know that's changed in concussion management i mean we didn't talk that long ago but the the way things change and obviously with you doing what you do you're always on the lookout for the new thing um whereas you know it's hard to keep up with all the other stuff for the you know everybody else you know unless it's something you specialize in so Mm -hmm. hit both of those again for sure for sure. So to, to address the stem cells, um, we do regenerative medicine. That's one of Doc's, uh, Dr. Lazoff's other areas of his practice is regenerative medicine. A lot of his stem cell regenerative, regenerative medicine is done for arthritis. So it's, mm-hmm. it's big on the osteoarthritis and part of his regenerative medicine side of things. Um, and that's kind of my role on the opposite side of his practice. Um, I'm in charge of our DME program. So I'm in charge of all of our back braces and knee braces from chronic pain braces to osteoarthritis, stem cell, PRP injections. Um, so that's kind of the overlap and where the athletic training is. So is such a unique role is when I started, they said, okay, Hey, look, it's the middle of the pandemic. What else can you do for us to keep you on, you know, keep you on retainer and keep you going. Sure. So I learned everything on the, the, medical assisting side of things and the paperwork and the administration intake and, and, and all the fun stuff that we all enjoy so much. Um, but at the same time, we developed a DME program through them. Um, we partnered with a company called Bregg and post-op partners and they're fantastic for us. Um, 
and and we do back braces, we do knee braces, cervical collars, you know, thoracic lumbar spine braces, postural braces, SI belts, you name it. I've probably dug into it with this company to do for you know their PMC side of things for the chronic pain, um, and it's been it's been great to for them to have a somebody who understands what braces are and can sit down and talk to patients and say, Hey, you know, a majority of the braces that we have, this is what we put our patients in, but maybe that doesn't work. So understanding, you know, the brace technology and how things work, we can sit there and work with the patient and say, Hey, look, I can put you in this brace. I can try this. You know, they need a specific, you know, assist or lift brace. Yeah, we don't have it, but we can go through these channels of referrals to get a custom one made, whether Bragg does it or whether somebody else in the area does like a prosthetic change. Sure. Um, it's been it's been a good working partnership between the practice and then between, you know, kind of what we're doing. Um, as far as the pain management side and the physiatry side of concussions, um, uh, Dr. Lazo does a lot with occipital nerve injections. Um, yeah. nerve root blocks of the occipital nerve for chronic headaches and for concussion patients. You know, if we, if we're in a rolling in our therapy and things aren't going well, they're complaining of occipital headaches or, or that banded headache that comes from the back of the neck that wraps all the way around to the frontal lobes, you know, there are options injection wise that we can use and we can utilize. Um, a lot of times it's been the workers comp side of things that's gone with the occipital nerve injections compared to you know, your, your athlete or your non-workers comp patient, whether they're, you know, my middle school, high school, college, or whether they're, you know, elderly falls, you know, my youngest patient's 12, my oldest is 70. Mm -hmm. So I've got everything across the board from athletes of all ages. Sure. Um, so, you know, it's, it's something that's available to them. Um, it's kind of, I don't want to say it's a last resort, but it's something we try to push with our therapy and kind of that time before we, we go, we don't jump right to the occipital nerve injection. Right. A couple of reasons, it's really uncomfortable. Um, I can imagine. Is number one is it's any needle being stuck in the head is really uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, and, and two, it's just like any other nerve injection, you know, um, it'll work for some people. It doesn't work for others. You know, you may get three weeks out of it. You may get three hours out of it. So yeah. it, it's kind of a hit or miss with just like with any other nerve injection or nerve root block that you're doing. It's you hope you get a chance for the nerves to calm down a little bit and, and the area to calm down. And it's been great, you know, for my side of things on, on the concussion, you know, clinic side of things, probably 75% of the occipital nerve injections that I've seen come back through therapy have been beneficial. 75% is a great number, you know, yeah. it's 75% gets in the hall of fame of literally every sport out there. Um, but, you know, when, in terms of healthcare telling you that, yeah, every, you know, every fourth time it may not work, it's something that we try not to push right away. Sure. I've always wondered, and I've dug into it a little bit. Um, we're, we were doing kind of a pilot study around some nutritional stuff um, with our, mm -hmm. our, with our student athletes. Um, that's obviously been put on hold because we haven't competed. Um, I think we like should, everything else. Yeah. I mean, we hit our, like our sample size, our goal was 30. And I think we're at like 14. It's just kind of like, we're yeah. dang it we need like one more run um, right going but um is nutrition you know and things looking at that uh, i know like high levels of dha have been you know a big 
push and there's multiple, yep. you know, things out there supplement wise and company wise for that. Um, yep. There's always the latest and greatest when it comes to nutrition and supplements, but just kind of curious on like your take on that. If that's something you consider um, and like, that's one I've wanted to do, but never really dug into it is, you know, do we have kind of a post concussion supplement regime that right. like the odds of us doing harm are very, very low, if not non-existent right. by adding some of these basic things in, but if it potentially could really help, well, then it, it, it might be worth it. And I, again, I haven't dug into it short of trying to initially kind of look at it, but I'm curious just what, what right. do you guys do if you do anything or recommendations or ideas? Yeah. So there's definitely a lot of research going into that gut brain barrier, that gut brain health, gut and brain health sure. um, connection post concussions. I mean, it's one yeah. of the big urging areas of concussion research. Um, right now I'm still doing my own kind of sifting through all the studies that are coming out on whether we talk about doing prebiotic probiotic for post concussion mm -hmm. patients. Um, right now, what we do talk about is, you know, one of the big causes of concussion symptoms or prolonged persistent concussion symptoms is, uh, inflammation, just like every other injury in the body inflammation's present after every injury. It's only a problem, you know, when it is, and it doesn't go away. So if we look at somebody that I'm treating for like post-concussion syndrome, somebody who's, you know, had symptoms for longer than 30 days, we start to look at, okay, great. We've, we're trying everything. Let's, let's look at trying a dietary change. Um, one of the, uh, one of the chronic patients that I, we just, just, just discharged is a, uh, is a recent celiac diagnosis. So mm -hmm. you look at the amount of inflammation that's in the body anytime that she's had wheat and she's 20 year old collegiate athlete. So now you add that she's been dealing with concussion symptoms since February, and now we've got the recent celiac diagnosis, the inflammation's gone down, she's getting back to normal, the symptoms are going away. So you look at, okay, there's got to be some relationship there. I mean, we talk about all the time, research tells us this, well, anecdotally, here's your prime example of right. somebody who's working on cutting all wheat-based products and all, you know, all grains out of her diet, and it's, you know, she's improving. Um but for what we do, we recommend, you know, an anti-inflammatory dietary change. I'm not a dietitian, so I can give you dietary recommendations. I can't give you dietary, you know, plan. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, so I recommend that we, you know, we cut out just our, our main inflammatory foods, right? Um, so we tell them to avoid their unnatural and processed sugars. We tell them to avoid their, uh, their trans fats and, and your alcohols and your artificial <laughs> sugars, you know, just like most athletes are trying to cut out anyway. Most sure. Americans, you know, we're trying to transition to that anyway. Um, but we sit down and we talk a little bit about, you know, with an anti-inflammatory diet, you have to consistently do it because every time you do, you slip up, let's say, you know, I've had a concussion symptom for six months and I had a beer at the end of a cookout the other day. Well, that, that anti-inflammatory diet that we've worked on or those changes that we've worked on start over. Now we've got to start over the process. So, yep. And the anti-inflammatory diet is, is something that's, you know, it's difficult to do for people that have never done it before. Right. Um, I, I'm not a diet person. Um, I can tell you that I eat terrible and, you know, it's a do as I say, not as I do. Um, We're rounding so, out the whole 30 my wife wanted to get on again, and I am yeah. so ready for a pizza. <laughs> <laughs> my wife's got us doing inter uh, intermittent fasting, and, yep. you know, we, we talked about it off. You know, I eat every two hours, and this is, ugh. It's been rough, um, 
but you know, yeah, solidarity and we're in it together. Um, so <laughs> uh, it, it's been great. It makes you feel better, but at the same time, driving to work, my 45 minute drive where I used to eat breakfast is like, Oh man. Yeah. It takes a little getting used to, hours to go. Yeah. Um, no, but you know, going back to our, our dietary changes and everything, we start to look at, you know, hydration is such a big play that gets overlooked and everything, you know, um, I posted an Instagram picture of my daughter trying to drink out of the hose the other day um, as a, as just a funny reminder that that water, you know, we do everything with water, water mm-hmm. does, you know, every cellular function we have is done with water. So if you've got a brain that's been repairing itself over the course of six months or, you know, one of my, my longest PCS patient that I'm treating right now is, is, you know, last injury was 2010. Um, you know, she's been, the brain's been trying to repair itself for 10 years you know, we need to make sure that we're doing everything we can. Obviously, there's something that's not connecting. We need to make sure that we're exhausting all options to try to eliminate some of the problems that we have. Now, it's not strict PCS that's the problem with my 10 years post-patient, but um, she's been working with us for three months and we're getting significant short-term memory improvements. Her balance is changing. Her dizziness is gone. And for the first time in 10 years, and, you know, she starts to look at, well, I just attribute it to everybody gets dizzy when they stand up. That's not normal. Um, even though it's very prevalent in the world that, you know, if I stand up too fast, there's no such thing as standing up too fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, that's one of the things that you start to branch into the research and, and, you know, that POTS change or that, you know, postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome change um, is treatable. I mean, it, it really is. And a lot of times it's as easy as graded aerobic exercise. You get somebody on a daily exercise routine and it eliminates and starts to regulate the heart rate. It starts to work with your dysautonomia that you develop as post-concussion syndrome and it starts to regulate everything back out. And, you know, it's something as easy as, hey, I know right away you're not going to feel very good when you start an aerobic exercise routine post-concussion. But Mm -hmm. if we're able to build through it and work through graded aerobic therapy, why not, you know, try to get something to go um, a lot of times with our, with our chronic concussion patients, our workers comp, it's, you know, we've tried everything else. Let's, let's do this. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm now at you because we've tried everything else and it hasn't worked, uh, which is another problem with the, the healthcare system. But, you know, it, it's something we fight with and, and something we work through, but it's, it's something that everybody, you know, by the time they get to where we're at with our post-concussion syndrome, they've tried everything else they've written it off as this is normal. This is how I work with. So we look at every aspect, not just vestibular impairments. We look at, you know, um, one of the big pushes that I talk about is the psychological side effects of concussions from taking an athlete away from their sport to um, now you've got, you know, you've got your, we talked about often, you know, offline or the graduation for the teacher that we just had, Mm -hmm. you know, um, Right now in my workers' comp side of things, I'm treating four teachers. Uh, And teachers are the best people to treat in terms of any long-term illness because teachers want to get better. Teachers want to get back to work. Teachers want to be back in the classroom. Um, They want to get back to being there for their kids. And to a fault, their kids come before their own health. Right. We pull the reins back on teachers in our in our clinic all the time. They want to go back to the classroom. They want to get back, and we have to sit there and say, "Hey, you're not quite ready yet. Let's let's continue to work on our end of things, and then put you back in." 
where is in there's some other professions where it's like, man, come on, you, you can go back to work. It's okay. You'll be right, fine. Right. Go back. Just please go back. Yeah. Um, and teachers, you know, coming from a family, my sister's a teacher and my wife works in the schools. Um, you know, I spend a lot of time around teachers in general and they're some of the most selfless people. it's kind of like athletic trainers, you know, mm-hmm. to a fault, everybody else's health and everybody else's satisfaction and, and happiness comes before ours, sure. which is something as a profession, you know, we talked about AT Twitter. It's something that significantly needs to change quickly yes. that we start to take care of ourselves. Um, but teachers, they're, they're kind of that same, you know, cut from the same fabric that we are. Um, and it, it's so nice to be able to sit there and work with a teacher and say, Hey, look, I can help get you back. Mm-hmm. I can help get you back into the classroom faster as long as you just listen and just trust the process. And that's the hardest part. You know, I'm sure it's, I'm sure the, the Sixers have trademarked it and, and all that, but trusting the process is such a huge part of concussion recovery right. um, that if I can change anything about concussion therapy and concussions, it would be calm down, relax and trust what we're doing is working. Sure. Not going to get better in a day. You know, if you've had symptoms for six months, three months, 90 days, you know, 120 days, 10 years, and you want me to get you better in four visits. Great. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to do my best, but it's not realistic. Uh, when we sit there and we, we sit down with a new workers' comp patient, we say eight weeks is kind of the timeline that we're looking at. 16 visits over the course of eight weeks. Workers' comp, and, you know, some nurse case managers say, great, you know, we're going to trust what you're doing because it's proven to work. And there are others that are like, okay, we're going to go somewhere else. And then you get a referral for or a treatment note from another vestibular therapy clinic that said, okay, these goals that we set are going to take 12 weeks to recover. And you just kind of sit there and go, yeah, you know, eight weeks, 12 weeks. Weird. You know, what's another, you know, what's another eight visits, you know, that you're going to have to pay for. Right. Um, right. But, you know, it, it's part of it. Everybody wants that instant gratification. You're an instant gratification society. The brain does what it wants to do on its time. My oh, job is to help the brain do what it wants to do. Uh, that's a great point. And I, I've brought that up with many an athlete. Like, oh, and it's think how many reps you took, you did, especially for yeah. chronic injuries to have this happen. Right. How am I supposed to go and get rid of that in a day? And if I could, I'd be getting paid a lot of money to be somewhere else. Exactly. I would be getting paid millions of dollars by the government if I could sit there and tell you that, sure. you know, this ACL that you're tore, I can get you better Thursday. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's not realistic. And the hardest part of your social media generation, your your internet generation, where all of the information is at our fingertips and I can get now. Now you look at, okay, hey, this recovery process is going to take eight weeks. They look at you and go, yeah, that's <laughs> not going to happen. Yep. How can I get back to work in two? Yep. Like, well, I agree. I want you back at work in two weeks, but let's be realistic. It's been 90 days since your injury and you're just not getting to us because nothing else has worked. Sure. I don't think it's going to turn over in two weeks, but, you know, we're going to try. Yep. Um, and that's, you know, with concussions, that's kind of how it goes. I mean, it, it's like flipping a switch when you get the right things, problems fixed and you get the right impairments taken care of and you reconnect the right neural pathways. It's, it's kind of like turning a switch. They wake up in the morning. It's like, wait a minute, you know, I was really dizzy yesterday and I'm not dizzy anymore. And then they wake up the next day and it's like, Oh, my headache's gone and I feel normal. Sure. 
And that's where it's difficult again, because they feel normal. They're going to try to catch up on everything that they've missed. And, right. and we take two days to recover from our normal day. And it's, you kind of play that up and down and ebbs and flows of recovery. And that adds another psychological side of things. So, and again, it embraces, we talk about the entire person, the entire injury, all body systems, you know, from gut health to um, neuromuscular education, to vestibular therapy, to manual mm -hmm. therapy, to cognitive and speech therapy. You know, we have all of those that are working together to make sure that the brain is functioning the way it should. You know, concussion rehab is just like the brain. The brain controls everything. If you're not controlling everything with your concussion rehab, what are you doing? You know, you're sure. leaving out a significant portion that you can fix for the five problems that are being caused, you know, with concussions, but that fifth one's still going to be yep. your issue. So you get people that are 80% back and it's like, oh, they're not getting better. They're not getting better. Better. Let's look at what's that fifth thing that we're not catching in, in terms of the recovery and let's flip that final switch. Um, and that's, to me, that's why I got into concussions, right? Cause it's so, it's such a challenge that the treatment plan I set forward on Monday may not be what we do Wednesday because sure. I'm in and they completely present different Wednesday than they did on Monday. Um, and it's, it's such a physical and, and mental challenge to me that it's like, all right, yeah, you, you think this is what's going on. Uh, -uh this is how we're going to do it now. Right. Um, and it's, to me, that's, that's the fascinating part of concussions and concussion rehab is it changes so much. Absolutely. Look at the blessing and the curse of everything in our profession. Like, that's for sure. Some of the better, which is fantastic. Yeah. But it can be daunting in, in a good way at times, but yeah, right. yeah, that's part of the reason I love it is because there's no best. Right. It's, just, it's too much too often. And that, I think that's also the really cool thing about it because it always gives you that ability to try and get a little bit better and move forward a little bit more. Yeah. And with athletic training, there's so much technology and research that's going on with sure. all aspects of athletic training that what works for you may not work for me. You know, my Lockman's test isn't as good as your Lockman's test, isn't as good as John's Lockman's test or Sandy's right. Lockman test. Um, my treatment protocols, my therapy protocols for concussion may work for my patients. And there, there have been some where, hey, we're not getting any better. Let's let's send you somewhere else. You know, you're only as good as your ability to admit you don't know what you're doing um, like that. or that you're stuck. Yeah, um, I like that it's, a lot. It's hard as a clinician to sit there and say, hey, you know, we've got to a certain extent, but we've plateaued and I can't get you there. Um, and that's, it's one of the hardest things to learn as a new professional. It's one of the hardest things to learn as an athletic trainer in general is you're only as good as your ability to admit you don't know what you're doing. Uh, yeah. Uh, and you can't, you can't be selfish when it comes to concussion recovery, especially, you know, if somebody has been, you know, chronic dizziness for six months and you get it to go away, that's huge. But then you run into the plateau of, well, their headache's still a two out of 10 and there's nothing I can do. That's where the good partnership with, you know, the medical director being in the building. If I see something that I don't know what I'm doing, I walk across the hall and knock on the door and say, hey, doc, let's talk before I go back in and do this. That's awesome. Uh, one question I did want to ask, because we were talking about it off air and then you mentioned it again. Um, you, you do a, a graduation picture, which I think is, I think is awesome, you know, for, especially with the stuff that you're dealing with, you know, mm -hmm. I don't want to say that there's ever like a run of a mill concussion. Cause I don't know. Right. I think that would be doing it a tremendous disservice. Um, but you know, like I work collegiate football, like concussions yep. happen. 
you know, we've got our protocol, you know, so barely are they ever ready in a week. It's just not feasible, but you know, within right. a couple of weeks that generally that, you know, they pass all of our criteria. We've done all these things, yep. you know, there's not necessarily a graduation, you know, in that regard, but you know, they have right. certain markers that we need them to hit, which we feel like we are well-established. What goes into a graduation from your guys's clinic, especially with some of those complex 90, 120 day, yeah, long cases. Yeah. So, I mean, the graduation started as a way of, of growing our social media accounts, right? So when we post our graduation photos, they're holding up the t-shirt that we give them. Yep. I tag them in their Instagram or Twitter, or Facebook. So yep. it shows up on their feeds that they're tagged into it. I also tag the school that they're from. The sure. uh, If they're a collegiate athlete, I tag their old high school. I tag what school that they're at now. I tag the specific programs that are there. Uh, with our area, all the high schools have, um, uh, what am I trying to, all the high schools have like student section Twitters and the barstool has gone into the high school. We have, you know, we have barstool Homestead and barstool Carroll. I feel like, I feel like that's counterproductive, but that's, it is. Um, and that's a whole nother (laughs) conversation, but it's a way that they're interacting over Twitter. So we're tagging them in it too, that, you know, I don't expect them to like the picture. I don't expect them to follow us, but when something happens to them or someone they know, I want them to have seen the name before. I yep. want no, them to see the, see the t-shirts out in the wild. Yeah. Um, it's, it's our, it's our easy way of a good ROI on our marketing department is I take a picture of you holding the t-shirt. We joke around that the masks it's, you know, I'm social distanced. If you want to wear a mask and you don't want people to really know who it is. Great wear a mask. We're far enough apart that when I take the picture that we're six feet apart. If you want to take your mask off for the 12 seconds to take the picture, take it off. Great. People want to see you. Fantastic. Uh, You know, we posted a picture of a high school lineman who had the best mask that I've ever seen. And it was just a plain and simple. It said, chicks dig the belly real big across the front of his mask. And I, I lost it when I saw it. I thought it was the greatest thing in the world. And, and I asked him when we took the picture, I was like, so is it true to chicks dig the belly? And he's a sophomore in high school. He's like, mm, not really, but <laughs> I like the mask. So, and to like, that was a running joke through his entire therapy with us is his mom told him that he didn't wear that mask to school and they had to go home and get the mask to wear it, to come into therapy. You know, I'm sorry, pulling off on a tangent. I tried to tell people about that mask because it was hilarious to me. You're all good. You're all good. Um, but for, for like what happens in a graduation for us, um, the, the majority of them are easy, right? The, the easy, you know, we talk about not having a run of the mill concussion, right. but having, you know, the, the simpler concussions where the recovery happens within that usually, you know, that 10 to 21 day, 21 to 34 day, depending on how the shift in research is going right now, window is they come back into us asymptomatic. We repeat all of our initial testing to make sure, you know, ideally we've improved in our SCAT 5, uh, but we make sure that there's no drop off in our SCAT 5. We repeat, you know, uh, our cranial nerve testing, our balance testing to make sure everything looks, you know, there aren't any, any significant impairments that we're finding. And then we in the clinic put them back through the first day of their specific return to play. Uh, whether it's the NAIA, you know, um, NCAA, high school, IHSAA, you know, we put them through all of their 
their return to play protocols. And that's where we've established good relationships, kind of, you know, kind of like we have, mm-hmm. where I go out to the D3 colleges, I go out to our, you know, Purdue Fort Wayne, our Division One school. I've been out to the NBA D League offices. And, you know, the good thing about coming from the D League is I have a good relationship with the franchise that's sure. here in town already you know, in in the ECHL hockey team that we have, and we talk about what their specific protocols are, what theirs entitles. And I tell them that, you know, if we're seeing one of their athletes, we are doing day one or step one of their program in our office to make sure that nothing's changed, to make sure that, you know, yeah, they're asymptomatic at rest and they're telling me they're asymptomatic, but I can sit there and put them through that therapeutic exercise aerobic exercise routine and say, okay, look, we didn't have any symptoms come back during, you know, this heart rate, our biofeedback, our heart rate got up to 150 for an established 15 to 20 minutes. Then we had a tapered come down for that another 10 to 15. And we can sit there and say, hey, look, nothing has come back through that first day or first step. We've graduated. We've moved from releasing them back to their athletic trainers and their sports medicine departments to finish the return of play protocol at their school. Gotcha. Um, and as far as the, the easy concussions, now the long-term, the workers' comp, our graduations are, they've been discharged from the vestibular therapy side of things. Okay. Um, through the workers' comp, oh, I lost you. Yep, you still there? I'm still here. Hang on, my computer went dark. Oh, I can still see you. Let me figure out what's going on on my end, hang on. There we go. I have no idea what that was. <laughs> All right. But going back into it, ready? And, um, you know, with our with our long-term concussion patients that we're seeing in our workers' comp, it's that discharge from our facility, right? So it's discharged from the rehab side of things. Gotcha. Um, and a majority of the time, that discharge from the rehab means that they're returning back to work in some form, whether it's um, part-time, full-time, you know, with restrictions on hours per day, with restrictions on certain movements, the graduation is them getting back to work. If they're a retired person, it's getting back to their ADLs without symptoms. Um, if they're a weekend athlete or a weekend warrior, it's getting back into sports participation, symptom-free. Um, and, you know, looking at the social media side of things, the reason we started the graduation again was one, to get our name out there. And two, it's, it's satisfaction. When you have somebody that's gone through such a long process, you know, my, the collegiate athlete that was injured February 12th that we discharged on, I'm doing a paperwork now, so that's why I know we discharged her on the 10th, is that's such a long time to deal with an invisible injury where people are like, what's mm-hmm. going on? There's nothing wrong. You know, we had to medically disqualify this athlete, you know, um, so to have, you know, a medical disqualification on top of a nine month recovery time, almost nine months to the day recovery time, you know, the small satisfaction and gratification that we can provide of, Hey, you did it. You got this free, you know, this $5 t-shirt that goes with it, with our logo on it to kind of commemorate the struggle that you've been through, right. you know, um, one of the big things that I push with on the, in the, uh, the social media aspect and, and all of our concussion education is, you know, you're not alone. It's, it's an invisible injury. Concussions got such a bad stigma of people saying that you're soft, people saying right. that there's nothing wrong. You just got dinged. You just got your bell rung. You yep. know, it's nothing wrong that now you have somebody who's suffering for nine months, three years, 10 years, 
they've been suffering from this injury. The t-shirt doesn't do it justice, but at the same time, it's a gratification of, hey, you've done it. You yep. succeeded in getting back to normal. Whether, you know, my 10-year patient when she graduates, is it going to be because she's symptom-free? No. Have we gotten to a point where it's, you know, we've improved dizziness, we've eliminated that dizziness. Great. Our balance is continuing to improve. I'm not going to do therapy once a week for 10 years with this person. It's not worth their time and investment, and it's not worth our time and investment to try to get something back that's not going to come back. But teaching techniques and teaching coping mechanisms and, you know, going through and, and improving the quality of life is, is what we do with our long-term concussion patients, specifically this 10-year, you know, 10-year post-injury lady, you know, we were ready to discharge her and set go. And her comment was, well, we've only been together for six visits and I've gotten this back, this big chunk of my life back. Let's figure out what we can get back over the course of six more. Sure. And then if we need to just continue after that six, fine. If we make another big jump, let's keep another six and let's keep going while insurance will continue to pay for it because, you know, we're improving, we're continuing to improve quality of life and, you know, sports participation levels, we're improving mm -hmm. all of that. So, you know, one, it's, it's an easy way of growing, right? It's an easy way of expanding into different schools for every new school athlete that I get that comes in. I can interact with that person on Twitter and Instagram. We follow all of our patients that graduate that have social medias and I'll pop up every now and again with a like or a, a, sure. a retweet or something that they do just to remind everybody that they'll see that we're here. Yep. Uh, and two, they have a physical t-shirt that reminds them of winning, succeeding against their injury, right? It's whether, whether it's used as a rag in the garage or they frame it and put it on the wall, you know, it's, it's a symbol of winning against their, you know, a brain injury in such a traumatic event. Even, you know, the people that downplay, oh, I recovered in four days. It's not that big of a deal. It's a brain injury. It is a brain injury. It's not a, it's not right. something to be taken lightly. You won. You've beaten, you know, you've beaten the injury. You've gotten back to your sport or your activities of daily living without problems. And here's a trophy. I mean, we live in a, here's a trophy for everybody demographic and all that. And, you know, we kind of do the same thing. Only this time you've won and didn't come in second. You, you won and here's your trophy. Sure. Anything else that you wanted to cover that we didn't before we hop back into the slightly modified version of the AT Jack <laughs> questions? Uh, no, I think, you know, one of the big things, you know, my, my final remarks is if patience and, and knowing that it's not going to get better overnight. Um, yep. is one of the most frustrating parts. And as athletic trainers, my advice to anybody who's dealing with a chronic illness or injury, uh, whether you're on the healthcare side of things or personally, day-to-day, sure. uh, -day, small victories. Yep. Uh, I preach it with all of our patients all the time. It's easy to fall into that rabbit hole of I'm not getting better. Every day I wake up with a headache. Every day I wake up dizzy, you know, and a majority of my rehab time is spent going, hey, look, you know, walking on this straight line that you weren't able to do two weeks ago, you're now doing it backwards while talking to me. You yep. know, it's, it's things that you don't realize that are small victories throughout the day that we take for granted when we're healthy, that my job is to point out when you walked into the office today, you didn't use the wall to turn the corner. You turned the corner without falling over. Yeah, it may seem insignificant to somebody, but that's huge in terms of Definitely. your recovery because you're able to stay base stable on your base. And now, you know, somebody who's a, a fall patient, you're you're less of a fall risk now because you've got, you know, no dizziness anymore. Those are 
those are huge victories that we point out. So, you know, taking it one day at a time, taking it one step at a time, knowing that there is an end, you know, whether it's complete symptom resolution or whether it's learning coping mechanisms and learning what our triggers are to avoid, you know, there's an end to PCS and persistent concussion symptoms and, and concussions in general. There's a, there is a recovery point and an end and it's, it's hard when you're in it to see it. For sure. It's extremely well said. Um, so the slightly modified version, um, where do you see concussion management going in the next five to 10 years? Ideally, everybody gets on the same page. Um, so we continue to phase out. Uh, we continue to phase out the sit and rest. Um, yep. We continue to look at graded aerobic exercise as one of the main triggers and main key components to every rehab process. And we start to look at more and more hands-on in-depth training for our healthcare providers from MDs, DOs, physiatrists, nurse practitioners, PAs, athletic trainers, PTs, chiropractors, you know, the information on concussions and the hands-on training is out there. You just got to do it. Sure. Uh, and it's, it's one of the things that as we progress and change over the course of the next five to 10 years, concussion training and management has changed over 18 months, like 180 degrees, right? It was everybody in a dark room and now it's get you back into as much as you can, as fast as possible. It's, it'll be incredible to see what happens over the next 10 years, you know, as, as in technology improves and understanding what the brain is and how it functions improves, you know, we've made such a big change that, you know, we may be, we may be getting everybody to do handstands on the wall for 10 hours a day. And, and that's your treatment moving forward. It's, it's hard to tell how it's going to change, but the big thing is going to be, you know, my hopes and dreams. And the big thing is be, as everybody gets on the same page, because when you've got somebody dealing with chronic concussion symptoms, being fed information from every different source of you're going to get better. You're not going to get better. This is going to improve. This isn't going to improve. This is going to make you better. This this isn't going to make you better from all over the place. It, it's hard, you know, and then you go to the internet to search concussions and post-concussion syndrome and it immediately takes you to subdural and epidural hematomas. You're dying and that's right. the end of it. You know, right. forever. And it's, you know, the questions that are answered are the same ones that you have. It'll get better if you do X, Y, and Z. Well, what if X, Y, and Z doesn't work for me? Well, then if you continue to do X, Y, and Z, it'll maybe work for you. If not, that's forever. So, you know, getting everybody kind of, you know, you're never going to be exactly on the same page. My thoughts are going to be different than yours. My thoughts are different than our, you know, Dr. Lazoff, our medical director in certain things. And that's what makes healthcare so fascinating is if it's not working for you, find something different. Definitely. What advice would you go back and give yourself before starting this uh, you mentioned earlier, you know, it was a four-year process, and then it was just kind of like go, um, right. But if you could go back, and if you could just place this exactly where you would go back to, um, and just what you would tell yourself, that would be. Yes. So this is something that I've thought a lot about since you sent me that concussion, or since you sent me our little our paper, our, yep. our little link for the, for the chat. Is what could I tell myself? And I sat there and started putting a list together, and it's like, man, there's a lot that I wish I'd have known back then. Um, and it all kind of comes back to that patience side of things, you know, you want to be the reason that people get back to work faster. 
you know, you want to be the reason that people are getting back to their activities of daily living or being asymptomatic faster than everybody else. It's a good marketing tool. If I can tell you that, you know, the average national recovery for workers comp injuries is 90 days for head injuries for us is 54 days. Great. That's a great marketing tool. But what happens when somebody gets to 98 days? Right. Patience is, you know, you're doing what's right. You know, making sure that you're continuing to look at the treatment as a whole. Don't get stuck on one thing that's bothering you. Don't get stuck on one impairment and saying, well, why isn't this getting better? It's a puzzle. You know, this piece may not go together and may not get better until you fix this piece over here that you've neglected. So get being patient, looking at the injury as a whole and not getting hung up on, we did this therapy and they're worse tomorrow. Okay, now I got to rethink my whole treatment plan mm-hmm. to process. Trust the process, trust the training, trust the research that's out there. Make sure that you're explaining to people early on, you know, our, our initial evaluation with all the education has changed from what I'm telling people. You know, I, I, I talk more about with all of our initial evaluation patients, hey, look, you are going to hate me today. It's not going to go well. My job is to find out what you can and can't do. You already don't feel good and I'm going to make you do things that make you feel worse. And that's what the initial evaluation is. You're going to hate me for the initial visits because my job is to put you through, you know, it's not like a rolled ankle where, you know, we strengthen the area around it. But if we have that sharp pain, we back off, you know, concussion rehab is if it bothers you, that's what I have to do. And we have to do it in a controlled fashion, but that doesn't mean that early on in your treatment, you're not going to like me. Um, judge me on how you feel at the end of your recovery and all that. And that's when you can term, you know, whether you like me or not, that's fine sure. if you don't like me still, but we're better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, so just being patient and trusting the process and sitting down and saying, Hey, look, we've established a treatment plan. It's not going the way we should. Don't fall in love with that treatment plan. If you hit a wall and things haven't improved over the course of a week to 10 days and we've, or we've taken a step back, don't be afraid to reevaluate what's going on. You know, you're the last line of defense for a lot of these concussion patients that are coming in. They've made it to you because the initial rest period didn't work. They've made it back to you because we've hit a certain wall. Now, when you're going through on my therapy or when you're going through what you're doing, don't fall in love with the treatment plan that you set from day one. Mm-hmm. You know, just like concussions evolve, we have to evolve with it. And that was one of the hardest things to learn is not sitting there going, getting frustrated because, well, research tells me this is what we should do and this should work and you're not getting better. Why are you not getting better? Blow it up and start over. Trust the process, evolve, and move forward. I think you might have answered this one on the first episode, but I wanted to make it more just by talking about it. Uh, what okay. is the most influential resource you found when it comes to concussion? You, we just yep. touched on that in that one. Yep. Okay. I can't and- remember it, but I'm guessing I know. <laughs> I'll reiterate it again. Uh, complete concussion management out of, out of Toronto has been great. Uh, there are a couple new ones that I've, that I've developed here. Um, Molly Parker is a, I know, I think we talked about her a little bit, but Molly Parker is a physical therapist. Um, what she's doing in terms of advocating for the, the brain injured patients is, is unreal. You know, she's partnering with her PT that's treating her, you know, traumatic brain injury that she sustained. Um, and not only is she giving you a live look at the medical side of things, she's living what she's doing. Mm-hmm. 
know, so she's showing you the ups and the downs of dealing with traumatic brain injuries. And she's showing you a look into her treatment plan and what's going for her. And they've established this huge network of, it's called Concussion Compass, where they sit there with, um, you know, social media and they've developed a community of brain injuries, whether they're concussions, post-concussion syndrome, you know, to your um, subarachnoid and subdural hematomas and, and hemorrhages. And, and they've developed, you know, a huge community of one support, you know, getting everybody together and having somebody of chronic illness that you can bounce things back and forth off of, but two, you know, exercises and, and things to think about and things to try when you're in your recovery process, that's been, you know, invaluable. Um, and then one of the, one of the recent ones that I went and I'm going to plug their podcast because they're fantastic. Um, and I recommend everybody that listens in the athletic training world to give them a follow and, and listen to what they're doing too. Uh, is Making Headway podcast. Mariah and Aaron of the Making Headway podcast um, are, they're both dealing with traumatic brain injuries themselves. And that's kind of why their, their podcast mm -hmm. started is they sat and went, okay, this is what we didn't know when we started um, our injuries. Um, concussions, you know, the, clearly the force was there for a concussion, but the diagnosis wasn't made. And when we sit down and talk about the interview, they say, oh yeah, well, that was also a secondary, you know, diagnosis that I had, sure. you know, now when you're diagnosed with a subarachnoid hemorrhage, the last thing that they're dealing with or to worry about is your post-concussion syndrome. They're worried about, right. you know, a third of the patients don't make it. So, you know, it's, you start looking at the severity of the injury and concussions get kind of thrown to the back burner. Um, but again, they're two brain injury patients that are living and trying to provide information that they wish they had from the initial time frame. Um, they'd be somebody maybe interesting to talk to them too. I yeah. know it's not really athletic training related, but they are we got on the advocacy side. Awesome. So, I may have you uh, connect us up at some point. We can I chat can, about that. Can, uh, I think yeah, you I probably answered this one just earlier. Um, so if it's short and sweet, go for it. If you could change or eliminate a one thing, modality, common practice, or whatever mindset when it comes to concussion, what would it be? the stigma and negativity following concussions. It is a brain injury, okay? It's not a head injury, it's a brain injury, right? So calling it a concussion kind of gets that bad rap and that's kind of why, yep. you know, healthcare providers and practitioners have started to move to calling it a brain injury because people hear brain injury and they think, oh, that's severe, I should probably right. take care of that. And they think concussions is, ah, you got your bell wrong. If I could eliminate the negative stigma behind concussions, you're not soft because you're you're coming to somebody and telling them that, hey, you know, I've got a headache, I've got nausea after a concussive event, you know, it's not, you're not soft. Um, a lot of times by not telling somebody, one, you're risking second impact syndrome and so increasing the severity of the injury, but two, you're prolonging your recovery. That if you'd have just come out and said something when it happened, mm -hmm. we could have started you on the road to recovery within that first 24 to 48 hours. You know, right now, um, access has been the hardest part for us to get to. Um, we've been treated as, well, our treatment plans haven't worked, so let's send them to you. Well, if you could have given them to me 90 days ago, we, we could have been back to work and moving forward. And that's one of the areas that's been a little bit harder. You know, for us right now, our initial... Our, our average initial visit to, you know, from time of initial injury to initial visit for our workers' comp side of things is 44 days. That's 44 days of somebody else trying something that's not working or not addressing it at all. 
and saying, hey, look, now after 44 days, here you go. Um, and it's, they don't trust, you know, they don't trust the medical model because of the way it's working out for them. You know, they don't trust the treatment process that they've had because they've been, you know, dizzy headaches, nausea for 44 days prior to starting something. And then the first appointment, you're going to tell them, yeah, your symptoms are going to be worse for a couple of days. And you know, psychologically, what does that do to them? So, you know, just changing the stigma of concussion rehab and treatment would be number one and two and three. Fair enough. Uh, last one is what does being an athletic trainer in working with the management of concussions mean to you? There is no better practitioner to take care of concussions than athletic trainers. I mean, if you think about what we do in terms of education on diagnosis, um, the, the diagnosis side of things, the overall rehab package that we see, you know, athletic training is so unique. You're the only healthcare professional that sees somebody from initial injury to return to play. Right. You know, your, your orthopedic surgeons, you know, even me in the clinician in the clinic now, I don't see the initial evaluation. So yep. knowing the MOI and how things have changed and, and knowing, you know, was there a loss of consciousness? Cause you'd be surprised at how many kids come in and say, well, I blacked out. Well, you, what does that mean? To me, that's a loss of consciousness, but sure. to them, it's oh, stunned. That's not a loss of consciousness. Right, so, right. Yeah, not being able to see that initial MOI is, is, is a bigger adapt. You know, it's something I've had to adapt to over the course of the last, you know, a year and two months now. Yep. But, um, you know, there's nobody better than athletic trainers to take care of the big picture in terms of, you know, from the diagnosis and the initial rehab plans to the, the rehab that we're doing is all things that we're taught as athletic trainers. Yeah, I've expanded my knowledge and gone through, mm -hmm. you know, concussion-specific manual therapy and vestibular repositioning and things that aren't taught, you know, to, to our programs now. But there's nobody better in the world of healthcare to take care of the concussion and can patients suffering from concussions than athletic trainers. Um and I'll stand by that, you know, yeah, I continue to move and adapt and evolve. And, and ideally I'll have a PhD in concussions at some point in my life, but nice. you know, the athletic training, I will be an athletic trainer forever. Um, yep. you, you know, it's, it's what I am as a person. Uh, it's something that helps mold who I am. Uh, now it's not everything, but it's a big part of who I am. I am an athletic trainer and I help, you know, my job is to help athletes of all ages, sizes, you know, to, to return to their sport, whether their sport is cooking and doing laundry to, you know, working woodworking in the garage or playing in the NFL. You know, we, mm -hmm. we look at transitioning all athletes of all sizes, shapes, colors, ethnicities back to life. And that's athletic training is one of those beautiful, beautiful parts of, of the world that there's such a diverse population of, of ethnic backgrounds, of social upbringings, religious backgrounds, political affiliations, you know, it's a melting pot to where some other professions, you know, you, you don't see it as much. Mm -hmm. um, something that athletic training will continue to improve and continue to work on. But, you know, athletic training is such a unique, you know, a unique occupation. How many other occupations have two athletic trainers sitting down for an hour talking about concussions? You know, uh, it's, in the business side of things in the, in the, in the business world, it's, I'm not going to give you all my information sure. because I take away from my business. If I can tell every athletic trainer how to treat concussions and that cuts down the amount of rehab I'm getting in, that means the patients are doing better and they're getting the proper care that they need. And I have time to expand in different, different realms and different areas of concussion recovery. 
So, you know, there aren't very many professions out there that like athletic training, like physical therapy, that will share those tips and tricks back and forth. You know, there are 3.8 million concussions, you know, a year, according to the CDC in 2018, that have been reported. They think 50% go unreported. So if you look at another 50% on top of that, I'm not going to treat, you know, 5 million concussions a year. Right, right. So I can help those that are treating by telling them the information that we're using, by sharing our clinical uh, our anecdotal research and kind of what's going on in the same way I can sit down and talk to, you know, somebody who's seen concussions in the clinical side of things. You know, I sat down with the, the two ladies of the making headway podcast as patients to see what they're, you know, what's lacking in their initial coverage and their initial education. Uh, I sat down the other day with a sports psychologist to talk about, you know, how do we sit there and work with, you know, the mental health side of things. And he's, he's got an idea of trying to do like imagery and, and um, meditation following therapies and adding that to, you know, hitting that peak of cognitive overload and then immediately putting them into a meditative environment and meditating and then going back and doing that back and forth. To me, that's great. Do your research in that because that's interesting to me. Um, And, you know, we partner with a yoga company that does yoga and concussion specific yoga and like looking at sharing information between professions. Athletic training is one of those very few that actually will openly do it. For sure. Well, sir, this has been awesome. Um, the update is great, I, and I can't wait to do the next one once you know life returns a little bit more to normal. You guys can really hit the <laughs> ground running. Uh, I'd love to see where this goes for you, and you know, I have no idea what my personal future holds with all this stuff. But this, I mean, to be, do some of these things or have that option would be pretty freaking cool. Absolutely. Um, so Absolutely. We'll, we'll Wisconsin's a great place. So, uh, <laughs> place to expand. Um, so, um, just in closing, where can people find you? Obviously we mentioned social media quite a yep. bit, but to just make sure that we're getting them to the right place. Yep. We're at Twitter and Instagram, MW concussion um, with our, uh, Facebook, we're at Midwest Concussion Clinic. Uh, they can email me with questions at mwconcussion at gmail.com. Um, feel free to share any information that you have. I am, I'm a sponge when it comes to reading research articles and, and looking at new treatment options. You know, if you see something and it's interesting and you want to know more about it, great, send it my way. Because if I haven't read it, I'll give you my opinion. I'm a very opinionated person. So I'll give you <laughs> nothing wrong with that. All right. Well, I appreciate you taking the time again. Um, I'm glad this worked out and we'll be in touch soon. Sounds great. Thanks for having me.